Welcome to the Mosaic Memphis podcast. Our purpose is to support, challenge, and equip you to live out the gospel of Jesus faithfully in your everyday life. We hope this conversation helps you grow in your understanding of Christ and encourages you in your mission to serve Him. Listen in. So today we're, we're joined by some Mosaic members, um, Brittany Burkhead and Heather uh, Kennedy and Ira Strange. That's not strange. Right. <laughs> pretty, weird. Pretty, pretty weird. Pretty weird. Pretty strange. Hey, thank you guys for joining and being willing to share and um, encourage us as, as we talk about this tonight. Um, before we get into this, I want to really start like with a really probing question okay what are you watching right now mm. what what are you watching net what are you binge watching watching or you ready for me to sound super old go ahead all right so Graz and i started binge watching the other night um old jeopardy episodes oh yeah, yeah so nice. like we like doing trivia and we can't go out and do trivia so that is what we are doing right now okay yeah getting smart I don't know if I'm actually retaining any of the information. That's yeah. what we're doing. Well, that's, that's really something to brag about, you know? <laughs> when we play a trivia game, I have to have you guys on my team, you know? What about you, Brittany? I'm not watching anything right now, but we have turned on Wheel of Fortune every now and then. I get so excited. Well, that counts. I love Wheel, Wheel of Fortune. Fortune. I love it. Well, I hate that show. I hate that show. That show. You do? Yes. It's been on so long. Well, now that some of my kids are learning to read, it's yeah. really fun. Well, it reminds me of being stuck at home in the middle of the day. Oh, Where okay. everybody else is going on, there's a Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> What's yeah. older, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Wheel of Fortune has to be older. I, it probably I wish is. you'd just go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I love it. <laughs> is it. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, what are you watching? Uh, I just finished something called Alone on Netflix, and um, I, I'm usually not into Survivor and these you know shows where you try to be the last one standing, but it was... I mean, these people were out in the Arctic and freezing. You know, I saw the first one and I was like, man, that's pretty serious. There were <laughs> wow. wolves and wolverines and bears, and these people were legit alone. Yeah. So uh, uh, I thought, man, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's a good show. I, my, my wife's been watching Oh, you've uh, seen that Lost. one? No, Lost. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the one? I, it's, it's, it's one of those survival TV shows, but it's not Lost. Starts with 10 people. Last yeah, one yeah. Yeah, I don't like those either. <laughs> Generally not, but that one's pretty good. They're intense. This was like the yeah, real version. Really this was like the not, uh, you but, know, uh, this this was the real hardcore version, I yeah, guess, yeah. of survival. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, interesting. It's, it's interesting how every one of you guys are different in that um, I like documentaries. I think, you know, you can't go wrong with that. I'm watching a documentary on jazz right now by Ken Burns. Super good. Oh. I love it. Um, all right, so this episode, I want to talk about suffering. Um, and, um, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, it, it, it's a needed topic for us to talk about in this moment. There's a lot of people are suffering. Um, 400 plus thousand, 500,000 people have been killed here in the States and all over the world, just hundreds of thousands of people. Um, suffering is nothing new. Every one of us is going to endure suffering one day. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about in the book of Acts, um, um, a man who was born crippled. 
40 years of his life. And what that really drew out for us is this, this conversation about the collateral beauty of suffering. And beauty is a weird word to use when you talk about suffering. It seems inappropriate. Um, uh, one of my favorite movies, Collateral Beauty, is where, where the idea came out. Of, um, it, 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 uh, it stars Will Smith, who talks about, basically, his, his daughter had cancer and died of cancer in the story. And out of that, this idea that parallel to, to suffering is some beautiful things that happen. And um, we hate that. I mean, in fact, we know suffering wasn't what God originally created the world to endure. Mm -hmm. Yet God and his grace and his power is able to turn suffering at times to, to good. Um, and so, um, so I want us to talk about that. I want us to talk about, I want us to be able to share our story. I, I, the reason why I asked you guys to share, everybody has suffered at some point in their lives. But one of the things as I've known you and your families in the way you, you, you have uh, persevered through suffering, um, it, says, it said a lot to me about how your perspective in it, whether it be suffering physically or through disappointment or whatever, uh, I've been able to see in some ways how you begin being able to navigate through that in a way to be able to see the beauty in it um, of, of what God is doing through it. Of course, our story's not finished, right? You know, and so, um, and so, um, so I just want, I want us to be able to just have a dialogue about it. And, um, as much as you feel comfortable sharing details of the, of your story with us and, um, and, and hopefully this will be encouraging and challenging to us as we think about our own story of suffering. Um, now I want to start with Ira. Um, Ira, uh, known you for a few years, um, um, you um, um, had a pretty rough, what would you say, call it, midlife moment? Crisis. Well, we would use the word crisis, <laughs> same moment, you know, and it, which was a combination of a lot of things, family things, work things, et cetera. Yep. Share a little bit about that. I appreciate you queuing that up. I was a little bit mixed, like, why might be asked to come here and talk about this and feel good about it, feel bad about it, but mm -hmm. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, for me, it was a little bit of an exercise. I kind of had to sit down. I, I, think, I think some people might have one defining moment. They say, this is, you know, this one point where, you know, endured something really, really difficult in this one moment. But yeah, exactly like you say, for me, it was perhaps a buildup. And so what I did is, I think it's probably a good exercise for anybody to do uh, to kind of take inventory and, and kind of put it in the perspective of what, what God did, obviously, in the end. But think about the difficult things that God has, has brought you through. That's kind of what I did is just kind of from the beginning. And, and you know, my cheat sheet here should only take about 45 minutes an hour or so. Uh, take no time whatsoever. No, it's, it's just a very short list. I thought, of, you know, what could, what could I really qualify as, as suffering? And, and just a little bit of background, I guess, to come up to, to midlife is, uh, yeah, as far as early, just some things here on the list. Um and I thought just as a perspective, uh, kind of this may relate to a lot of folks is uh, somebody put it like this. They said, you know, life is always uh, going to have two tracks. And basically just mm. you, you're never really going to be dis it's, a, it's kind of a, a wise perspective to realize that there's always going to be good things going on. And there's always going to be some not so good things going on in your life. And I thought that is a good frame. And that was kind of the frame that I kind of looked um through the lens of all these things, kind of as a t 
took an inventory list. And again, um, my list is it, wow, wow, look at all these, this, these things he's listing out. Yeah. You know, he suffers it. No, it's, yeah, I think my problems are very Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. compared to uh, what a lot of people have been right. through. Uh, but it is my testimony. It's mm-hmm. been what I've been through, and I think some people might be able to relate to it. Um, but as far as uh, from, from my early years, you know, my, my dad was an alcoholic, so there were drug issues in the, in the house. Um, uh, you know, I did... Did some homeschooling. Um, I didn't really have brothers and sisters though, so it, it was kind of it was kind of a, a, a double whammy in a sense. I, I, went, I didn't always do homeschooling, but there were some things in my life that that made life kind of lonely. Right. Uh, so right. I, it's like I had this struggle with with my dad. He was somebody that I feared rather than mm. you know uh, understood love. And then when I um, was kind of a, alone with with my mom doing homeschooling, it was like. There was kind of a loneliness factor uh, early in my life in elementary, mm-hmm. and um, my mom became a Christian. But a, a lot of her mindset, and then being with my father, was very fear driven. Mm-hmm. So fear was kind of driven into me from early, you know, drug abuse, uh, just loneliness, and I think depression that so many people mm-hmm. suffer with now was just kind of baked into the way I came up. Um, Fast forward, you know, my testimony is I, I really came to Christ, you know, uh, with my mom being a Christian, you know, grew up mm-hmm, in church mm-hmm. um, and came to Christ as an adult at, at the University of Memphis as a student mm-hmm. um, and got married, you know, was uh, was a believer since 2000, mm-hmm. you know, as an adult. Uh, fast forward to 2009, got a, a great job promotion. I was very mm-hmm. excited about to go to D.C., you know, moved to the big city out of Tennessee. We, you know, I grew up in Knoxville. Uh, lived in Memphis for a mm-hmm. while, got married, then we moved to Nashville, and man, we got this great job opportunity in D.C., and um, my wife's uh, instincts to kind of help the neighbors and the things that she saw, some some neighborhood kids that really needed something constructive to do, her ministry background mm-hmm. kind of kicked in and started Parkview Kid Zone, and so... Mm-hmm. Short story um, of all that is we were in D.C. for about five years. Um, okay. It was a pretty stressful job. I'd come home to a lot of kids around the table, and it was wonderful. It was like we've never mm-hmm. had our own kids, but we had a neighborhood full of kids that we would you know, feed and do programming yeah. for and do field trips. But at five years, really, uh, the cost of living in D.C. and the, the cost of yeah. the energy output in, in the job and then – it's kind of like a second job, you know, mm. doing, trying to, in some you ways. you putting a lot of money into the ministry. That's right. That that's right. Uh, yeah. a, a few bucks came through the church, you know, in the latter yeah. years, but it, it was, yeah. I was funding that out of what I was paying. Um, and a lot of it, it, you know, it starts from a good heart, you know, hey, we're Christians, we, we want to impart faith and a lot of great things, but it can easily uh, drift into stri- striving. Right. Right. And, and I right. think that's what happened. We were trying to save we were trying to save people by our own efforts, you know, like, oh my gosh, we got to put this person in our house at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. just to get them off mm-hmm. the street, et cetera, et cetera. And so just to say it was it was a time where we kind of launched out as adults, but it was a time that really um, at the end of it, very yeah. drained. Uh, the, part of that ministry started because uh, Angela witnessed uh, a, a young kid getting shot. Mm-hmm. And so there was violence. Angela, your wife. Right? Angela, my wife. Yeah. Uh, so there was kind of violence interspersed through this. Mm-hmm. It ended with the traumatic thing, someone being shot. My wife was the only one to witness this mm-hmm. uh, directly in front of our house. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of a last straw moment for right. her. Both of us were kind of getting to our wits end, and, mm-hmm. and it came to a, 
traumatic end and ended up, I just kind of had to pack her up and send her back here to be with mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to talk a lot about that, but, but it was very much a, a, a physical, a mental, a spiritual crash for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were separated six months. I finally got a job and came down here mm-hmm. uh, in, in 2015. Uh, and we're getting to the end of the list here, which basically we were separated six mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. I came back, uh, you know, it, it had all been about the career for me. Yeah. I, I finally got a job and came back here, was able to be here in Memphis, packed everything up in, in D.C. And um, after putting all that stock in, in my career, uh, got, got fired within months mm-hmm. of, uh, <laughs> you know, that was like a, a, yeah. a, a, a last piece of pride that I yeah. had, you know, was, uh, you know, I put all this stock and time effort in, in my career and, and your career was you were growing in that yeah yeah um, in that yeah and, and with it with a big uh you know consulting firm and yeah. you know thought i was pretty great stuff yeah. and and uh <laughs> that that quickly just crashes the ground mm-hmm. uh, so yeah the last couple of things on the list here and i'll uh, turn it over is, uh, yeah i got fired um and i think mm-hmm. things just spiraled um there was Tension between myself and Angela, marital mm-hmm. tension in our, our relationships. She was very down. Mm-hmm. I was very down. And, and two down people, it, mm-hmm. it's like, well, who's here to kind yeah. of pick up the right. slack? And right. <laughs> there wasn't. It was just, then we started kind of uh, some tension developing. Um, we, we came with debt. Uh, mm-hmm. Coming from D.C., it was, we, we were beyond our means. Again, we got into striving financially. And uh, eventually, two two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, bringing us to to uh, recent history about about two years ago, uh, and after being here a couple of years, um, uh, God did provide, gave me a better job after I got mm-hmm. fired. So I had invented mm-hmm. a good job, mm-hmm. and that was going really well. And and then that really started with all the, the tension with the relationship, the debts, mm-hmm. and and then that was kind of the one thing again I had was that job, and then that started to get really stressful, right. and it was like mm-hmm. the last straw for me mm-hmm. and it was like Angela had had her crash and then I had my crash right, and, right, and I, right. I it was the first time I went to counseling we both went to counseling together mm-hmm. I went to counseling individually because with all my background and all the things I'd experienced I just found like fear and depression and anxiety were yeah. dominating yeah. Uh, the way that I thought like every waking moment was uh, you know things were really okay on uh, yeah. you know with yeah. perspective, but for what I'd known in my life, it was, man, it was just putting one foot in front of the other every day. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't believe I'm going to see a counselor mm-hmm. because I, I don't even know how to process, you know, yeah. normal daily things. It was just, was really a struggle. Uh, and so that in turn started to affect my physical health mm-hmm. and uh, it was really challenging, but but through counseling, and I guess we'll kind of get to this mm-hmm. stuff later. The the yeah. redemption, right, <laughs> the right. beauty of it. God yeah. God was there every step of the way, and for me, the last couple of years has right. has been a steady climb back with help, right, with right, God, with right. people, with community, and um, so yeah, it's kind of a blast of the list Man, here. But yeah, and I, I think your your story relates so much, particularly to guys, because we we feel a pressure to to maintain control to fix everything around us we can't have we can't fall apart and um and then we're on top of that we're not as emotionally engaged to be able to talk through things with with other guys other people and so um so yeah things crash on us and we fall apart and um yeah and so many so many can relate to that that's a key point yeah because as 
as a man or whatever. Yeah. It's like I took pride in uh, right. providing yeah. and being steady and like, hey, yeah, yeah her, we, we, hey, you can, you know, serve the community and I can, right, you know, right. make the money and mm-hmm. yada. And boom, when, you know, mm-hmm. when that took a hit, it was, mm-hmm. that was kind of, that was a, a, a big wound to somebody yeah. with yeah. taking a lot of pride, maybe in some good ways and maybe mm-hmm. some ways that weren't healthy before. And, and as you, as you mentioned, um, um, God is able to take all of that and actually shape you, mold you uh, into what he wants you to be. And it's amazing how he's able to, you know, accomplish those goals, you know. So, so Brittany, you next. Um, about, what, two years ago? It was about two years ago you were diagnosed with uh, breast cancer? Yes. And um, no doubt that was devastating. Um, I know yeah. it's it was in your family. Right. Um, but... Share a little bit of that. And... Yeah. Um, at age 33, yeah, I really was young. really young, diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, we have four young kids, and at the time they were two, four, six, and eight. Mm-hmm. So that was hard. And um, Justin had two jobs. Yeah. I was working as, as a nurse and homeschooling. And, yes, I had a... Um, double mastectomy in November of 2019, Mm -hmm. and then went through chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I haven't experienced chronic suffering, kind of like I was explaining, but I experienced a really dark season where my health, we had a health crisis. Um, And then I'm currently, and for the next 10 years, I'll take medicine daily and get shots. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. high chance of reoccurrence. Too. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, um, I, I was grateful how God orchestrated a lot of things yes. or in and around your life. Yes. Knowing that that was going to happen. That's right. You know? And, yeah. um, and so he sure did. Yeah. Heather, um, um, you've been at Mosaic for about, Two years? Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, and I've talked to you years ago, but I think you told me your story about two years ago when we met, yeah. um, that you and Brass have been um, trying for a baby for... Um, about like six or seven years. Seven years, yeah. So it's been a, been a bit. Been a bit. How long have y'all been married? So we got married back in 2010. Okay. Um, I, at least, like, when Brad's and I got married and while we were dating, like, yeah. I didn't want kids, period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a home where it just, like, wasn't really safe. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like, let's just go ahead and say, like, we're not going to have kids. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, even the whole, which I guess Brittany would probably know this best, but, you know, that silly tradition, like, at a bridal shower, like, if you break bows, like, that's how many kids you're going to have. <laughs> I was even like, I'm not breaking any of the bows, so none of you are going to say anything. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a bow on a present. So if you break it, like that's how many kids you're supposed to have. It's completely silly, but yeah. Brittany, how many kids? Like old wives' tales. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember. Okay. I must have, I guess. I don't know. But anyways. Yeah. um, So yeah, we got married um, in 2010. Babies, so weren't on the radar. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like, well, 
it is what it is. Um, I had, like, really painful periods, like, growing mm-hmm. up and different things like that. And, like, I knew it wasn't quite normal, but, like, went to the doctor. Like, no one could really tell me anything. Um, fast forward to, like, 2012. Brad's on deployment mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, I, like, wake up in, like, an immense amount of pain. Like, my stomach feels like it's on fire. Um, get rushed to the hospital. And, like, they diagnosed me with endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely plays a part in, um, Mm -hmm. Brad's and my fertility story. Mm -hmm. Um, but 2012 had that happen, um, Mm -hmm. started working at an elementary school, which, um, I don't know. I always thought I'd work with older kids. So K through five, I was like, God, what you doing here? (laughs) Um, but completely fell in love with them. 100% worked in the inner city and stuff. And like, um, just over the years, I felt God like really mm-hmm. breaking my heart of like, you know what, like it's, it's time to try to have kids now and like, I can do anything and mm-hmm. I want you to be obedient in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2015 after Brass comes back after his second deployment, mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, like let's try having kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that year we tried and everything and every month I was like, all right, like this is going to be it. I think I feel pregnant. They always mm-hmm. say you can feel pregnant, um, which I still don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but like every month I was definitely met with um, disappointment, spent lots of money on pregnancy tests um, and different things like that. And then um, like went and had one of those tests done and Brad's had a test done too. And like basically it came back with like, mm-hmm. you both are like kind of normal, but on like mm-hmm. the low end of normal. And it was like, okay, God, like, I don't understand. Like, you told Mm -hmm. me to, like, go do this. And, like, Mm -hmm. we're trying here. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Um, But at church at that point in Florida, um, there was more of a um, emphasis on, like, orphan care and, like, foster care and stuff. And um, there was an agency that was, like, Christian that was around the area. So in 2016, Mm -hmm. I thought Brad and I were supposed to be foster parents, but, like, he just wasn't on that page with me, at least Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually got a job, like, working in foster Mm -hmm. care, like, doing child placement and licensing families Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, So that was honestly a really awesome season. It was so Mm -hmm. neat. And I was like, all right, God, like, this will be really cool. Like, Brad's, like basically his heart will probably break for this, I assume. And like, maybe we're just like meant to do foster care or like, here's all these things that could happen. Um, so worked there for two years, fast forward to 2018. Um, we moved to Norfolk and I thought like, Oh, okay, cool. We'll do foster care here. And we had a house picked out a very long story in that, but we basically ended up having to move to an apartment too small to actually house a kid. And then also we, only ended up living there for 11 months. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Memphis, 2019. Mm-hmm. I promise we're almost at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but 2019, um, we get here and um, we join a foster parent class. Mm-hmm. Brez is like so on board. He's like, yeah, I think mm-hmm. this is the time in the season to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like basically we almost get done with all of the classes. And um, our instructor was like, you know what, like with him being military, um, like we just don't like mm-hmm. – we just don't know when you're going to move. Other than that, you're perfect. Um, mm-hmm. But we just don't see that mm-hmm. for this moment. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that one was really hard. 
um, to hear because I was like, okay, God, like I thought this would be the season. Um, But especially like we would have been foster parents in 2020, Mm -hmm. which would have been probably the hardest year to ever start being like a parent (laughs) and having no idea what the flip to do. I can see that goodness. (laughs) But yeah, like I don't know if this will continue to be Raz and my story of like maybe just not having kids at all or maybe we will get pregnant or maybe we'll foster or adopt. Who knows? But that is a little bit of the saga. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And disappointment is something all of us feel, but it's. It's so, um, you feel so powerless because there's certain things that these are God-given desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know personally, that's what I've often struggled with. You know, it's like, these are, these are good things that you desire for us and that we desire. And, um, and so, you know, it is really hard. And I think sometimes we neglect the fact that that's suffering, you know? We, yeah. it's not, it's, you, you don't see the physical aspect of it. Um, but, but, but it is, is deep, it's a deep wound, you know? Yeah. And I think like, um, with whoever can relate to this, Mm -hmm. um, but it was something that like, I told you guys that I wasn't geared like towards this desire at first, granted because of my upbringing. And then I felt like God changed my heart. And then I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. What's happening here? So, yeah. yeah. Well, this is a good transition to uh, where I want to go next. And, and that is, you know, uh, nothing shakes our faith more than suffering, I think, at times. And some more than others. Um, and you may not have anything to share about this, but um, in your experience of just some, some really hard and difficult things um, in your life, how did, that, how did you manage in terms of your faith? Did it shake you? Did it, did it um, you know, um, cause you to experience some doubt or questioning in terms of your relationship with God? I can say, um, I don't think it made me doubt, but mm-hmm. I definitely asked the whys. Like, yeah. why, why am I going through this? Right. You know, why are you allowing this to happen? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a very normal thing to ask when you're going through suffering um and i'm still processing some of my suffering Mm -hmm. because it was so recent you Mm -hmm. know hasn't even been a year since chemo Mm -hmm. um but before my suffering i had a good friend who had just gone through Mm -hmm. a death of a family member and it was very tragic and she would say things to me like um God's given me these little graces Mm -hmm. and that veil between heaven and earth is Mm -hmm. so thin and God is so good and he is so close right now. And I remember thinking like, what? You know, I I hadn't experienced something so hard and Mm -hmm. so dark and deep like that. Um, But since I've gone through breast cancer, um, I really feel like my faith, God's drawn me closer and I've experienced some things that I would not have experienced had I not been diagnosed. Um, Before I was diagnosed, um, we were going through Joshua and the CBR journal Mm -hmm. at church. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so grateful, like you pushed us to do that. And Mm -hmm. we were in scripture um, and that I was in scripture at that time because I really felt like the Lord put um, 
Joshua 1 9 on my mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, like right. that was on our the little pink armbands that we had right. when I was I battling. That. And yeah. um, that verse just stood out to me and I highlighted it and underlined it. And um, I didn't know why. Like I doodled mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. I was just like, I feel like God's prepping my heart for something. Mm-hmm. And little did I know, you know, a month or so later, I'd get diagnosed. Um, mm-hmm. But I look back at that as like a little grace that right, God gave right, me. Right. Um, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, God speaks mm-hmm. through others. Like mm-hmm. by hearing a good friend's story of her suffering, right. it prepped my heart yeah. and got me ready to go through yeah. like the hardest, deepest suffering mm-hmm. I'd ever mm-hmm. go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a church, we, you know, I... And all my friends and family, we were specifically praying during mm-hmm. my surgery for um, no cancer in my lymph nodes. Right. Like that was a very that. specific prayer. We were all praying. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember the surgeon grabbing my feet um, <clears throat> at the, when I was laying in the bed and saying, it wasn't in your lymph nodes. It mm-hmm. wasn't in your lymph nodes. And just being on this high, like, mm-hmm. thank you, Lord. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And praising him. And then... Yeah. A week later, finding out, well, that kind of cancer has a high reoccurrence. And my oncologist saying, you do need chemo. Mm-hmm. And just that low. And asking God, why? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew he had a plan. Yeah, right. And it it didn't make me doubt him. I know he's faithful. Mm-hmm. But I definitely asked, why? Like, why specifically are you making me going through mm-hmm. this suffering mm-hmm. right now? Right, right. Um, Fast forward to chemo, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think I've ever been in a more like lonely, dark mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Day three to five after chemo, you kind of feel like you're dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think of that first be strong and courageous, mm-hmm. be strong and courageous. And I really felt like God told me. You don't have to be strong and courageous anymore. I'm mm-hmm. going to be strong and courageous for you. Amen. I've That's got right. this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just rest in me. So yeah. just in reverse, looking back, had mm-hmm. I not gone through chemo, I may not have ever felt, felt God that close to me before yeah. 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 having not yeah. gone through it. So yeah. he did shake my faith right. in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did draw That's me good. near. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And that that's so that's such a good good thing to pull out the shaking of the faith is not always doubt it, right. it is it is i don't understand but then it's the shaking in a good way at right. times you know and yeah. so yeah yeah and a lot, a lot of times when we suffer um i know for me when i think of suffering i have not endured any significant suffering in my life yet but we all will uh, one of the things that's most frightening to me is the randomness of suffering and at times um, not being able to understand God's purpose in it. And so I, I would love to talk about that. And you already pointed out that that you saw some of God's, what you, you, you recognized God was working in it and that right. he gave you a deeper sense of himself in the midst of it. That might not have been the re- reason why, but right. or even answer that question. Um, but um, um, look, can we talk about a little bit of what... Uh, good God brought out of your suffering. I know some of us, 
some we might be in the midst of it or it's recent. Thank you, Brittany. But um, let's talk a little bit about that. It, it, Heather, I, you've already shared a little bit, but um, um, I, I love what we talked about personally when you, when you shared some of that story and how God is uh, giving you that um, ability to do other things and how you saw that. So Yeah, um, just really like, I would say this is probably true for like any married couple um, or like anybody in the season of having mm -hmm. kids, but like obviously kids take a lot of time um, yeah. because like you are literally training human beings to be human beings. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And we're still learning how to be a human being. Yeah, and you're still like learning how to be a human being. So there's all those things. Um, but like there is, um, I think especially like when you have a military lifestyle and you move around, it's really easy to kind of get caught into this like, okay, well, like I know my family is going with me and let's just spend time with family and make yeah. these memories. And like, I think those are like good things, like certainly nothing wrong there. And there's certainly nothing bad about spending mm -hmm. lots of time with your kids and all of those things. But like, I don't know. I really think that, um, because Braz and I like, don't have children right now like god has really burdened like both of our heart deeply especially like really for the church but for church plants in particular mm -hmm. um we love serving mm -hmm. um, we love opening up our home and mm -hmm. like being able to um have people like stay in our home like we've had um people live with us for short stints of mm -hmm. time to where like i know that if we had kids that wouldn't have been on my radar and i would have been like i'm not stretching myself yeah, that way right, right. um but even with like the idea of like city groups and having people over for dinner mm -hmm. constantly and like that rotation of just like welcoming people like mm -hmm. into like the midst of our home and stuff has been really really great mm -hmm. and um particularly like this year um with 2020 yes. yeah. um i think like a lot of people which makes sense a lot of people halted community in a mm -hmm. sense of like okay like obviously we're supposed to stay in our homes mm -hmm. and like be mindful and like all of those things are definitely important and great but like god just really put on our heart particularly like hey i want you to open like yeah. your home still like yeah. i gave yeah. you this and i want you to use it well um so we were definitely mindful we had a pod of people from our church that like came over and like um watched like church on Sundays together and then we'd end up doing lunch but then like I like planning weird party things so like um we had people like over all throughout the week and honestly there was like that kind of feeling of like you know how like, when you like see your friends in college it's like you walk down the hall mm -hmm. and they're just right there like it was definitely a group of us mm -hmm. that was like that so um, I don't think I would have mentally been there if we would have had kids yeah, and yeah. I don't think we would serve as freely mm. if we had kids, mm -hmm. but even like reading like throughout the Bible, I believe there are seven women who mm -hmm. at least at one point are like barren, all of them mm -hmm. end up having kids, but God spoke so clearly to all seven of them mm -hmm. and God's been really sweet in that with me too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like... I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. And, and, and I love that, Heather, because that's God's grace in you guys to give you that vision. Because when we have an idea and a vision for what, what we want in our lives and it doesn't happen, we can get stuck. And, um, and sometimes, I mean, being able to, to see 
as you've seen, even the good and the disappointments and the things that we are not bad things that we desire, but are, are something for, for whatever reason God has allowed right now. Which we still pray for you guys that God will give you <laughs> children. I, and I told yeah. you that before we did this podcast. Absolutely. But I think it's also really important yeah. to like, yeah, those seven women like yeah. ended up having a baby. Yeah. Fantastic. And yeah. like God can certainly do that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> good. God can certainly do that through like me or anybody else. But like yeah. God is still good even if I don't have a kid right. or yeah. don't adopt yeah. or yeah. don't foster. And mm-hmm. like we're going to continue to see glory mm-hmm. all throughout that. Mm-hmm. Heather, talk a little bit, uh, just just briefly, like the process of getting there. So what would you say to someone who's just like, um, and particularly like in our society, having a family, having children um, uh, becomes a superior way of life for a lot of people. Like if you don't have children, you're inferior or you don't have children, you're not, you know, whatever. And especially Christians. Christians are, are notorious for doing that. Yeah. And um, either intentionally or unintentionally. Right. Um, but um, maybe you'll speak to women who, who haven't been able to have children yet or anybody who's dealing with disappointment, what would you say to them and how to uh, uh, move forward even in the midst of that disappointment? Um, one, story ain't done yet. So yeah. like, we don't know what's going to happen. And like, I think mm-hmm. it's really easy to get caught up in the 80 or 90 or however long like you are here on this earth, but like, we're all promised eternity. Mm-hmm. like. Even if we don't believe in God, like you're still an eternal being, it just spells mm-hmm. out differently for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more importantly, like I may never carry the title like as a mother, mm-hmm. um, where like I have a child, but I do carry the title of spiritual That's mother. Right. That's right. Um, so whether it is to like women, yes. like we've served like in youth groups and stuff before, and like we've done um, like young married groups and mm-hmm. things like that, but even just to like friends and things like that um I've been called group mom plenty of times um throughout my life um but like I think that's such an honor to be able to speak into women and like really just be that encouragement Mm -hmm. and I think that's what God's asking Mm -hmm. right now so that's so good um and so encouraging I think to a lot of people just to just to be able to have that Uh, be challenged with that perspective. And I know a lot of people, when they hear that, it's still like anger towards God. Um, I don't understand why this is happening. You walk around, you look at what other people in your life have. And, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. And that's a good transition to the last question. Um, and, um, um, I was recently listening to a podcast with Tim Keller and it wasn't about suffering, but he, um, he pastor in New York who recently got diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer, cancer, I believe. And, um, and it's terminal. He's not going to win that battle. Uh, but something he said in that podcast was really powerful to me as they were asking him about, uh, his, his, this time, this, fighting of cancer. He said, a lot of people talk about me fighting cancer, but he said, um, I'm actually fighting my sin. And when he said that, it was really like, you, you, it throws you back. But he said, I'm fighting my sin because in my heart, um, instead of my heart being gripped by the joy in Christ and, and allowing that to shape more 
of my life than anything. Because in reality, he was saying, I'm 70 years old, we're going to die, suffering is a part of life. And not to neglect or denigrate this life. This life is valuable and important. There's, you know, this, this has value. But in his conversation, he's pointing to the sin of not seeing the bigger picture, you know. And so he quoted um, a guy, John Newton, who said, we have an inordinate attachment to the things of time. I thought that was really good. And I think when it comes to uh, suffering, we get stuck. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We get stuck because there there is um, an inordinate um, attachment to this world. And so I, I would love just to wrap up this conversation and talk about as Christ followers, you know, what does it mean? How has the eternal glory that is to come affected the way you've endured the disappointment, the cancer uh, um, diagnosis, you know, even the the, the breakdown in your forward, in, hitting forties. Um, how does that bigger picture of eternity affect how you navigate through suffering? Ira, you want to take a stab at it? Oh man, I thought that was great. <laughs> that was great, <laughs> actually. But you've been uh, quiet so, over here. Sorry. Well, I spent all my time up front. So, um, yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> so I think that question was kind of a, the collateral mm-hmm. beauty, and then mm-hmm. maybe to sum up. Uh, what is what is the beauty that you see in, in light mm-hmm. of eternity, in light right, of greater things? So what's what what was the bottom line there? What was the value? Is, yes. is that kind of yes. what we're getting at yeah. there? And yeah. I, I think for me it was um uh it, you know basically again back to, to two tracks. There's always good and there's always bad things going on in life and, and for everything mm-hmm. from the list that I had to make of the right. invent- suffering inventory, Iris suffering inventory, everything there was a an equal or greater mm-hmm. response from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really the beauty of it. it that, that's that's the benefit I get mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that then should extend for me with the with the comfort I've received. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. I'm now empowered to to pass those yeah. savings or uh, yeah. however you want yeah. to put it on, on to others. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, going back to the early days, you know, mm-hmm. dad not there, uh, or you know, struggling with alcohol, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mom got saved yeah. and somehow yeah. worked out for, yeah. with no money for all of us mm-hmm. to go to private school mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, dad wasn't there. Well, uh, you know, Coach P was there, right. you know, the right. soccer coach. Right. It's like you you look at everything mm-hmm. and then God mm-hmm. provided something, um, you know, uh, a way where there was loneliness. Mm-hmm. God provided community. He sets the lonely yeah. in families. Yeah. You know, I experienced yeah. that myself. Uh, you get fired, you get a better job. You right, know, there's right. just everything, I, everything on the list. You can say, well, um, mm-hmm. you know, God did this. And even, yeah, your life comes to an end, whether it's early or, or late. Uh, kind of to, to Heather's yeah. point, I, I, I really appreciate the faith. It's like, you know, I want this, but right. if it doesn't happen, God's still good. Right. Because I think Shadrach and Meshach, you know, like mm-hmm. they're getting ready to get tossed into the flames. And it's like, well, yeah. God can save us. Mm-hmm. 
But if he doesn't, then I'm like, man, if somebody <laughs> sitting at the, you know, <laughs> getting ready to get tossed into that can say that, yeah. then, you know, maybe I can yeah. uh, have yeah. that attitude a little bit with the, with the light and momentary, mm-hmm. which I definitely consider my sufferings light mm-hmm. and momentary yeah. uh, compared to what these ladies have shared and other people have mm-hmm. shared about their faith and given their lives for their yeah. faith, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But uh, definitely that. And I think a bottom line, so that's the benefit I get of seeing how God's affected my life. Right. And then I felt the, the sympathy on the other end to extend to others. I think mm-hmm. of Christ, uh, that, you know, what what is, uh, it's all to, to do perseverance, character. Mm-hmm. And and Christ didn't just heal somebody because he was obligated or had the power, mm-hmm. but it said he felt compassion. Right. right. And it allowed me to have compassion for the same suffering my wife had just been through. Mm-hmm. And so then instead of me just mm-hmm. have, it's, it's tempted, when everything's great for you, it's tempted to think, well, yeah, why couldn't you right. just do it like me? Yeah. You know, why that's couldn't right. you just have been that's disciplined right. and yeah. steady and you know sure. taking care of yourself and done yeah. this and that? Well, no. Yeah. When you're when it's your time of need, then you're gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're gonna yeah. look back at, at your wife or your partner or people around you and you're gonna say, you know, mm-hmm. I get what you're going through mm-hmm. and it can happen to anybody right, right. circumstantially or from your own failings or a combination mm-hmm. of both. And um what yeah, so whether it's been extended to my wife or others, um, all those I'm I'm able to yeah. Sometimes That's good. extend that compassion mm-hmm. and sympathy when, yeah. when God brings it to right, mind. And right. uh, so I, th- I thank God for that. Going through the suffering yourself, it, it changes your voice in other people's lives. Um, I, I remember reading, um, I, I can't remember the name, Thornton Wild, Wilder, I think it's uh, the, the angel that troubled the waters. And a particular gentleman kept going to the waters to get healed of his melancholy. And finally, the angel says to him, stand back. This healing is not for you. It is the suffering that makes your heart, your voice tremble in the hearts of men. And so such a powerful like picture of our suffering is bigger than even ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, and you're able to empathize with other people. And I love how you pointed out uh, that eternity invades our suffering in moments that are just so glorious and it, you, you begin to see that there's a bigger story going on, you know, in the midst of it. If we could see it, you know, and it's really hard at times, you know, especially when you're in the middle of it. Brittany, you mentioned a little bit of that. Um, how has um, um, an eternal view, I mean, you, you, I mean, whenever you hear the C word, cancer, <laughs> I mean, you think, is this going to be my time? You know, you're 33, but 33? Uh, I was you when I was diagnosed. Yeah, 33 35 now. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to get you. I know. I know. <laughs> Still. You sure? Okay. Yeah. So th- 33 years old, so young, you know, yeah. and um, a lot of life in front of you. Yeah. And um, so you probably have thoughts like, is this, you know, is God calling me home? It, yeah. So uh, what would you say, like, in terms of, of the eternal perspective did did how was it did that help or um, speaking to them a little bit well i was thinking when i was diagnosed someone mm-hmm. shared this story with me that um she heard of this woman who went through this cancer journey and um she said anytime she heard of someone new being diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. she got just a tinge of jealousy mm-hmm. because it was such a close time with mm. God. And um, mm. I just thought that was interesting. And um, 
it kind of changed your changes yeah. my eternal perspective. Right. And yeah. um, going through that, I, I long for Christ more than yeah. I ever have. And yeah. I'm I'm like just so ready to see him, yeah. be with him. Yeah. Um, so I'm not scared of mm-hmm. what might come. Like it, that seems glorious mm-hmm. to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how people go through suffering or, or big tragic deaths or mm-hmm. diagnosis without mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mentioned that verse, and I had that written down too, that the suffering produces perseverance, right. then character, then hope. It's so interesting yeah. to me that hope is at the end, right. that right. first you don't have hope and right. then you're able to suffer. Yeah. That you have yeah. to suffer to have the, to hope, have the hope in Christ. And, um, yes, I just, um, now that I'm coming out of a stage, mm-hmm. I feel like my suffering is also light and momentary. And I'm mm-hmm. coming out of this dark mm-hmm. suffering for a season. I'm so thankful for seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I can use my perspective to view it as a joy and a mm-hmm. gift, mm-hmm. then I can bless others. That's right. Um, through my suffering and um, encourage others with it. That's good. That's good. And um, like like the the lady said, like to, to have that that understanding that, man, I'm jealous right. of your suffering because that I get more Christ, you know. Yeah. And isn't that inherently like the biggest issue and the struggle we have? Yeah. Is this life is all we know and it is so good. And it is so enjoyable at some at some points, um, but it's really just preparing us for something bigger, you know. And um, and to view our suffering, like you said, like how can you? It it it's almost unthinkable how you go through this without a hope in the future. And um, but how how you have to go through the suffering first to get to the hope. But the hope is just so glorious in the end. It's such a powerful truth. Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing. I know we could probably spend a lot more time doing this. and um, But thank you for being transparent, sharing your story um, with, 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 with those who are, who are listening in. And, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We hope this episode was a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, please let us know and share it with your friends. If you would like to know more about Mosaic Church, you can connect with us online through our website, mosaicmemphis.com.